two words, benign neglect. Benign neglect is the official unofficial policy of ignoring black issues and never committing to putting forth policy and or legislation that will exclusively benefit black Americans. All conversations surrounding black issues, let alone policy and legislation, must always incorporate the terms people of color, minority, marginalized groups, and at the bare minimum, black and brown. Doing this effectively dilutes black issues, which then by default dilutes the solutions needed to correct them. Though benign neglect is practiced by both the Democrats and the Republicans, the Democratic Party has mastered the art of benign neglect due to the fact that black Americans are their political base. Now, what I'd like to do is show you a few examples of Democrats going out of their way to ignore and talk around black issues. These are the real life examples of benign neglect. Why not target? the African-American community. Why not say then, this is for you, this is for African-Americans. If, if there was a banking crisis, then you'd target money for the banks. If there was a national disaster, you'd target, uh, you'd target your money for the national, for, uh, no, 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 for no, disaster that, relief. That, 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 that's, not how, uh, that's not how America works. America works when all of us are pulling together and everybody is focused on making sure that every single person has opportunity. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole in the country. Right? Vice President Biden, do you support reparations? Look, let me, since I haven't spoken on this, got a chance. Um, number one, the reason we're the country we are is because of immigration. We've been able to cherry pick the best from every single continent. The people who come here have determination, resilience. They are ready to stand up and work like the devil. We have 24 out of our 100 children in our school today is Hispanic. The idea that we are going to walk away and not provide every opportunity for them is not only stupid and immoral, but it's bad for America. They are the future of America, and we should invest in them. Everybody will benefit from it, every single American. And you should get used to it. This is a nation of immigrants. That's who we are. That's why we're who we are. That's what makes us different, and we should invest in them. Thank you, Mr. Biden. Senator Klobuchar, you have your hand up. When Barack Hussein Obama, America's first biracial president, was asked the question, why not target the black community directly, and he replied, No, 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 that's not how America works. Obama was 100% correct when he stated, that's not how America works. In fact, it hasn't worked that way since 1970, because this was the year that Dan Daniel Patrick Moynihan, advisor to President Richard Nixon, submitted his 10-page memorandum to the president, and the opening paragraph reads, As the new year begins, it occurs to me that you might find useful a general assessment of the position of Negroes at the end of the first year of your administration and of the decade in which their position has been the central domestic political issue. Now, the memorandum would go on to chronicle the decade of the 60s, discussing the progress made by black Americans, as well as their shortcomings that still needed improvement. But it's not until page 7 that the two words that would annihilate black American politics for the next 50 years would appear. The time may have come when the issue of race could benefit from a period of benign neglect. The subject has been too much talked about. The form has been too much taken over by hysterics, 
paranoids, and boodlers on all sides. We may need a period in which Negro progress continues and racial rhetoric fades. The administration can help bring this about by paying close attention to such progress as we are doing while seeking to avoid situations in which extremists on either race are given opportunities for martyrdom, heroics, histrionics, or whatever. Greater attention to Indians, Mexican Americans, and Puerto Ricans would be useful. I'm going to repeat that last sentence again. Greater attention to Indians, Mexican Americans, and Puerto Ricans would be useful. Now you see, it's at this moment that the American government made its decision to ignore black politics and shift the conversation to Native Americans and immigrants. Now fast forward to 2020, and that list now also includes not only Native Americans and immigrants, but the LGBTQ, as well as women's issues by way of feminism, all the while ignoring black American politics. Now, one of the newest ways that we watched women's and LGBTQ rights issues used to neutralize black issues have been in the Black Lives Matter movement. You see, when you say Black Lives Matter, you've said all that needs to be said because the problem at hand is police brutality against black Americans. But once you start interjecting hashtags into it like Say Her Name or Black Trans Lives Matter, you've effectively turned it from an issue about police brutality against black people to an issue of feminism and to an issue of LGBTQ struggles. The Black Lives Matter movement has been so strategically fragmented that we've come to the point to where now people say, all black lives matter. That's how fragmented it is. When speaking on matters of immigration, you never hear anybody say, well, what about all immigrants? What about LGBTQ immigrants? What about female immigrants? What about the LGBTQ Jews? What about female Jews? What about all Jews? It's only black issues that get fragmented in this way. Now, over the course of the past 12 years, the Democratic Party has truly mastered the art of benign neglect by coming to the understanding that the best way to ignore black politics is to do it in blackface. Now, for starters, don't let it go over your head that the family lineage of the first so-called black president and possible vice president don't actually come out of the slave plantations of America. They have no ties to the legacy of slavery and the hardships of Jim Crow. Barack Hussein Obama, whose mother was white and his father was Kenyan, moved to Indonesia when he was six years old. He moved back to Hawaii when he was 10, where he was raised by his white grandparents. Kamala Devi Harris, whose mother is Indian and her father is Jamaican, was born in Oakland and moved to Montreal, Quebec, Canada when she was 12 years old. Now, why does that matter? Well, that matters because you don't even begin to form a general understanding of who you are and how the world works and what's your place in it until your teenage years. From one to five years old, you don't even know that you're alive. And from five to 12 years old, life is simply about how many days it is until my birthday, is it Christmas yet, when is Halloween, and can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? Your teenage years are your most critical years as it pertains to the development and understanding of the world around you, as well as who you actually are as you head into adulthood. And this time period for her was spent in a completely different country, attending a French-speaking primary school and high school. Upon graduating high school was when she moved back to the States to attend college. You see, these type of folks are passing for black because they grow up having no real connection to black Americans, but once they enter politics, they then ride the wave of slavery and Jim Crow to legitimize a blackness within them that doesn't exist. 
And this is the brilliance behind the Democrats' mastery of benign neglect. You see, because if I can get a so-called black president or possible vice president to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No. Well, then that justifies politicians ignoring black issues on all levels of politics. Because how are you going to call a non-black politician racist for ignoring you when so-called black presidents and vice presidents have already done the same? Were you aware that your great-great-grandfathers were slave owners in Alabama uh, before the Civil War? And has that revelation caused you to change your position on reparations? You know, I find myself once again in the same position as President Obama. We both oppose reparations, and we both are the descendants of slaveholders. You see how that works? So now, because they have no policy for you, they have to sell you on their blackness. This is why Kamala Harris lied about smoking weed, listening to Tupac and Snoop Dogg in college, despite the fact that she graduated college in the 80s. This is why the Dems put out this awkward video of her dancing to Cardi B. This is why articles and videos of her keep coming out discussing her shoe game. I literally could keep going on and on giving you example after example, but I'm gonna end it here by showing you this last clip of an interviewer asking Kamala a very serious question about the contradiction in views between her and Joe Biden. And the response she gives is an extremely awkward high-pitched rant about being a black girl who likes hip hop. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for all. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies, those progressive policies that you supported as senator, into a Biden administration? What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America, who was also a prosecutor, who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip hop. <laughs> What do you want to know? <laughs> well, I want to give you I want to give you the opportunity to address this. What is she talking about? This woman is so thoroughly conditioned to deflect and sell her blackness that she even does it when benign neglect isn't even warranted. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that me myself on Election Day, I will not be rewarding a party who constantly disrespects me to my face while pretending to be my friend. I'm not getting behind a party who my people have supported since 1964, giving them a supermajority election after election only to do nothing for them in return. Once again, I don't know what you're going to do, but for me, it's no tangibles, no vote, no black agenda, no vote, no reparations, no vote.